0: Well, good morning and welcome to the Mount. If we have not had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Adam and I am the lead pastor here. And whether you are joining us here at our Stafford campus, whether you happen to be joining us from down at Fredericksburg or online, wherever you happen to be, we are excited to be with you this morning as we dive into the first week of our series titled, Manger Mix." Now, before we dive in, I just have a question, and I want kind of participation from all of our campuses. How many of you, if you were honest, you would ever say like you have made maybe like the perfect musical mix? Anyone? Like maybe, maybe you made it like on Apple Music or Spotify, and it was just like this perfect mix. Maybe you were burning CDs on Napster, like the legal version, I guess. Maybe you were, you know, using the tapes with the two tapes, trying to transfer from others or recording from the radio. But for many of us, regardless of, I don't know what they did with eight tracks, I don't know. So, but like for many of us, regardless of what phase of life we are in, man, there is just something about the perfect mix. Like I can still remember even to this day, some of the like iconic mixes I had back in high school and late middle school. I remember getting on that school bus, going to basketball games. I remember opening up my Walkman, putting my little furry headphones on they had on those Walkmans. And I remember closing that thing and it would say like basketball mix or pregame mix, whatever it was. And I remember this one mix, even after all these years, no matter how many times I try to recreate it or make it the way, it just doesn't hit the same. This mix that I had back then, that was this Perfect mix of iconic 90s music from the greats like Green Day and Coolio and Boys to Men and Bush and like the mid-90s Puff Daddy when he was still relevant. And it was all of these things, and it was so good. And there's something about a mix that even when you try to create it later, it's not just the songs you put on there, it's like the order you put them in. You know what I mean? Like when you're when you're listening to someone else's mix and you're like, man, this is this is really good, I like this, this couldn't get any better, and that next song hits, and you just kinda want a mic drop before a mic drop was a thing, and you just wanna be like, man, I can't believe they put this on here. The way it flows together, there's just something about it. We get satisfaction from creating the perfect playlist. And I think for many of us, the mixes or playlists that we create in our lives have marked key moments in our lives. Maybe for you, you can remember back in college when you were in that cool phase and you made your deep cuts mix and it was like Dave Matthews band, the songs that no one ever else hears and you thought you were so cool that no one else knew that song, but you're like, this is because it's a deep cut. I get it, me and Dave are close. Like you, you just felt so good about that phase of your life, right? Maybe for you, there was a, a certain mix that when that... That boy, that stinking boy dumped you that you would just listen to on repeat, had Moore set and some other people on it, and you just had that thing on repeat, and you were just so angry and sad at the same time. <laughs> Maybe for you, there was a certain mix you had when you began running, and you signed up with a friend to run a race, and you regretted every moment of it, but the mix got you through it. <laughs> Maybe for you, you still have One of these great killer road trip mixes where when you get in the car, whether you're just on 95, because that could take a while, or actually going on a road trip, you turn on that road trip mix. The list could go on and on and on. But the reality is, is that for many of us, the mixes or playlists that we create are snapshots into our lives. They tell a story. You could listen to someone's playlist or their mix At that point in their life and learn a lot about them, their hurts, their struggles, their dreams, their desires. And so over the next four weeks throughout this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a mix of some really popular and famous traditional Christmas songs. And we're going to use them as the lens through which we look at the most significant moment in the history of the Christian faith. And I would argue the most significant moment in the history of the world, the birth of Jesus and so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 is where we will be. If you are using our app, the Mount app, you can find the sermon notes and the scripture references right there in it for you to easily follow along. Or if you're using version or whatever Bible app, I'll give you a minute to turn there. If you've got nothing, maybe you're here for the very first time or your just commitment level isn't quite there yet, that's okay. Everything will be on the screens all around us and we've got you covered. But while you are turning there, I do just want to take a minute and encourage um, all of you that call the Mount your home church for a minute. This Christmas season, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Christmas season has more opportunity and potential for you and I, those that call the Mount our home, to share the good news of the story of Jesus in ways that we don't normally get the opportunity to. Right? There is no other time of the year during the calendar year where people are literally confronted daily, hourly, minute by minute with the story of a baby who was born 2,000 years ago and changed the world. And they're all wondering deep inside, what's so important about this kid? Like, why is this baby such a big deal? And we have this tremendous opportunity to live out the mission we have here at the Mount of making a difference for one more. In fact, one of my favorite passages of scripture, I've shared this with you guys before, is from the Gospel of John, where a guy by the name of Philip encounters Jesus. And Jesus said some things to Philip that kind of radically alter and change his life. And so Philip, not knowing what to do, he goes back to his friends. He goes back to Nathaniel, and he's like, "Nathaniel, I found this guy. He's the Messiah. He's Savior. He's blah blah blah. And he's so cool. He's awesome." And you get this sense in Scripture that Nathaniel's like, "Really? I don't. I don't know about this. I don't believe that." And so Philip, I love this. Instead of trying to have a theological argument or convince Nathaniel about the person and nature and character of Jesus, instead he says three simple words he just says man just just come and see just come and see four simple words just come and see and what I love about this is that he knew if I can get Nathaniel into the presence of Jesus his life will change church you have no idea what the power of an invitation can do In fact, I would argue that every single one of us at all of our campuses, we are here today because someone at some point invited us. So let me just encourage you. Invite someone. It is a great time for them to come and hear and see the good news that is the story of Jesus. And maybe you are here today and you're like, what is so good about this? Like somebody invited me, what is so good about this story of Jesus? Well, I love the way that uh, Matthew, one one of the authors of one of the gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, he describes this good news story this way in chapter one of his book. He says this, he says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the what? The Messiah came about. Now he's going to tell us the story. He says, His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and in a dream, said, look what the angel says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And what did he say? He said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The story of Christmas is the story of a birth of a baby, a gift. And what I love about Christmas time is it seems like so much of Christmas, whether it's in our world or in church, is about gifts this time of year. And I'm sure that like you, it's probably safe for me to assume that the majority of us at some point in our life, at some Christmas through the years that we have been alive, we just, there was this, this gift that we just had to have. Right, like there was this gift, maybe you were a lot like Ralphie in The Christmas Story, who desperately longed for, yearned for, wanted that Red Ryder BB gun, despite the fact that everyone told him he was going to shoot his eye out with it. He desperately wanted it. He longed for He would have given up anything to get this gift on that Christmas. And I can look back over my life, my, my elementary age, my middle school and high school, and I can remember specific seasons, specific gifts that, man, I longed for. I knew if I could get this gift, my life would be different. I might be in the cool crowd, maybe, I don't know. I just, I need this. I, I wanted it desperately. I longed for it. It's interesting to me that as we age, as we get older, that sense of longing never really leaves our soul, right? What, what began is, as infants when we longed for the care and protection of our parents. Then we longed for their attention and their affection as we said, Daddy, Mommy, watch this, check this out, watch this, watch this. Then we longed for gifts that would bring us satisfaction and fulfillment. Now that we're adults, many of us, there's still this deep, soul stirring longing within us. Maybe it's in the busy seasons of life, we long for that beach chair at the beach. Maybe it's when things are chaotic and stressful and we're commuting and in the city and going and going and going. We long to just go to the mountains and find a cabin and fish and hike and relax. Maybe we long for that next job, that promotion that will fix everything that we think is wrong. We long for that really, really, really good friend that we can open up to and share our hurts and our thoughts and our feelings with. We long for that spouse who will love us unconditionally and accept us and be attentive to our needs. We long for power, influence, purpose, significance, and the list could go on and on and on. This morning, the first track on our manger mix is a song titled, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. This song is incredibly deep in its theological meaning. It highlights some of the various Old Testament prophetic names of Jesus, the one who will come. It says that he is the rod or the branch or the stem of Jesse because he comes from the line of David. And it's this idea that the tree has been cut off and the stump is dead. But when Jesus, it bursts forth and has new growth from the line of David, the ancient king of Israel. He is the dayspring or the sunrise that brings light and warmth to the darkened world in the dawn. He is the key of David, the one who opens and shuts and locks and unlocks the doors that no one else has access to, the gates of hell and the kingdom of heaven. He is the desire of nations because he draws people to himself. His very presence brings people to him from every tribe, tongue, nation. And he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And one of the things I, I personally like, love about this song is that unlike so many of the other Christmas songs that we sing, like Joy to the World or Hark the Herald Angels Sing, where they're ex- 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 exuberant and they're joyful and they're just like this, da-da-da, da da and you're singing loud and you're happy and things are good. What I love about the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is that it speaks to, it captures this, this deep, soulful, aching, yearning, longing that I think we all experience. I mean, just listen to the first line of the song. We sung it just a minute ago, but it says this. It says, O come, O come. And it's hard for me to read this without singing it, so I apologize. It says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom the captive Israel. Why? They are mourning in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. These are some dense lyrics, so let's make sure we get the big picture here. This song is written from the standpoint of God's people in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, the Israelites, if you're familiar with that word, and they are in the midst of pain and suffering. They are in the midst of a storm. They're in the midst of a a valley season. Whatever words you want to use there, it says they are in exile. They are captive. They are in bondage. They are in slavery. He's writing this song, in essence, to a group of people. It's them expressing from their standpoint, this idea of being captive and longing for someone to free them they are in exile they are mourning they are waiting in another verse it talks about that they have tears that they hope disappear they are in gloom and darkness wanting joy and light they need wisdom they want peace in a world that doesn't seem to offer any in essence this song is written from a standpoint of a group a nation a tribe a race of people who need rescued, who need help, who want salvation. It's written from people who are looking and waiting and longing for someone to come and fix what is wrong, someone to come and rescue them, someone to come and satisfy and fulfill the longing of their soul. Because this is key. Because throughout the history of the Old Testament people, the Jews, the Israelites, they have longed for one thing, this key figure known in scripture as the Messiah. In the Hebrew, the Old Testament, it says the anointed one. In the Greek, the New Testament, it calls it the Christ, but it's this this figure, this Messiah, this Christ, who would be the greatest king the Israelites had ever known. He would be greater than their first king, King Saul, who made mistakes and fell short. He would be greater than King David, the greatest king they ever did, but still had mistakes and fell short. He would be greater than their third king, King Solomon, who built the temple in all of its splendor and glory. This king, this Messiah, this Christ would be so much bigger and so much better than any of those who had gone before him because he would be the king that would finally come and bring the nation of Israel peace. Or this Old Testament word, shalom, this this peace that surpasses all understanding and comprehension that is inclusive of everything around them. This Messiah would be the one who would bring peace and reestablish them as a superior nation, as God's chosen people. In essence, he would be the guy to come and fix everything. Everything their hearts longed for. Everything they yearned for. Everything when they went to sleep at night wondering about, he would fix it. And so when we sing this song, when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns and lonely exile here, we are standing in the feet of first century Jewish people who have this deep aching soul level longing that they desperately want fulfilled. And I love this song. Because at the end of this somber line, it just like punches in this hope and this joy when it says this. It says, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel will come to you, O Israel. Isaiah 7.14 says it this way. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. In essence, the writer of this song, he is basically saying, Israel, I know you are waiting. I know you are expectant. I know that you have this this deep aching, yearning, longing for in your soul for something to change because the world around you does not feel right. But rejoice in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of this yearning, in the midst of your exile. Rejoice because Emmanuel is coming. And don't miss this because this is one of the beautiful things about this song is the question is, what is the solution for Israel's deepest, soul-level longing The song says, the answer, the solution is this, Emmanuel. The solution to Israel's longing is Emmanuel. In other words, the solution to what they wanted wasn't freedom from the government who overruled them. It wasn't this idea that they would be able to rebuild their nation. It wasn't that their, their vaults, their bank accounts would be filled back up. It wasn't that they would have the wealth or the prosperity or the better life. No, no, no. Scripture tells us that the solution to Israel's heartfelt longing, their yearning, their desire is for God to come and be with them. In other words, the solution to everything that Israel longed for, hoped for, and desired would be answered In the presence of God. Take a look at one of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 12. It says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, that good news again, that will cause great joy for all the people. Like, I read this and I'm like, oh, what's the good news? What's the great joy? What is it? And it says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is the what? He is the one that you have been looking for for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. He is the one, Israel, that your heart longs for. He is the one. In this baby is every hope, every dream, every desire, and every wish that you have ever had. He was the longing of their hearts. And he is also the longing of our hearts. He is the longing of our hearts. I think if we were honest this morning, I think we'd all admit whether we are a follower of Jesus or not. Our heart longs for things. Deep within us there is this yearning. Maybe a good Christmas word is there's a pining or a longing for something. Over the years different theologians have called it different things in the medieval times in the mid they called it the haunting of our souls. I watched this interesting YouTube clip recently about people who were describing this but didn't even know they were describing it. There was a, a comedian by the name of Lewis C.K., and he was on the Conan O'Brien show, and Conan and him were talking about cell phones and this idea that like you can look through things that never really satisfies you, and he said this most profoundly brilliant theolo- theological thing that he had no idea he was even saying. When he was describing it, he basically stopped and he looked at Conan, and I'm going to make sure I quote this right, he looked at him and says, you know, Conan, like when you feel that that empty, that that forever empty inside your heart. And Conan looks at him and says, "Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about." Because in almost every culture, in almost every language, in almost every tribe, on every continent, every group of people has some sort of word that has described this longing in our souls. The famous author, C.S. Lewis, he preferred the German word use it. It's a Seinzucht. And this word expresses an idea that even when you experience something great in life, and he gives the example, even when you eat the best meal you've ever eaten, in the back of your mind, you're wondering, yeah, but is there a better meal out there? (laughs) Even when you have the most amazing relationship with your significant other or your spouse, there are moments in the back of your mind you might think, but what am I missing out on? He says, there's moments when you see the most beautiful sunset in all the world and you're like, yeah, but I bet there's another one that's better. In fact, in his book, C.S. Lewis, in his book, Till We Have Faces, he says it this way. He was an atheist who turned believer and he says, it was when I was happiest that I longed the most. It was on happy days when we were up there on the hills with the wind and the sunshine And simply because it was so beautiful, it sent me longing, always longing. Somewhere else, there must be more of it. So we look in our careers, we look in our relationships, we look to our marriages, to our hobbies, to our children, to our vacations, to our successes, to our positions. We look at anything and everything around us. Even in the moments where we can't name it and we can't describe it, we acknowledge that we've looked in hundreds and hundreds and thousands of places, hoping that one of those places will fulfill this deep yearning and longing and aching that exists within our soul. But it doesn't. feel that, don't you? Whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, you know what it's like to think that X will finally fix the longing only to have X fall short. Why? Because the longing of your soul The longing of my soul, the longing of our souls cannot be found in anything except Emmanuel, God being with us. This is why, this is why the Garden of Eden, for those of you that know the story was so beautiful because Adam and Eve were with God. And from that day, that fateful day that they were kicked out and cast into the dark world full of sin and brokenness and hurt and despair. The human heart has done nothing more than long to return to that perfected state in the Garden of Eden, to long to return to be with God. And that is the good news of Christmas. That is the good news of this song, O come, O come Emmanuel, that God is with us that in all of our brokenness, 2,000 years ago, he looked at the world God did and said, man, it is time, the moment has come. I'm sending my son, a baby to be born, a human birth in a country that had no significance according to most global powers. And he would be born in the most humble of all situations, the most humble of all places but people would come and worship him and bow down to him, not because he was great, not because he was amazing, but because he was God in human form and he was with them. And 33 years later when he grew up and he did all these amazing miracles and courageous things, he boldly and obediently went to the cross, an instrument of torture and death for the very people that he came to save, knowing that they deserved punishment, they deserved pain, they deserved to be outcasts from the presence of God, but through his sacrifice, people could be with God forever. That is the good news of the Christmas story is that God came to us to fulfill and satisfy and answer longings of our soul now here's the tension in this because if we're honest those of us that follow Jesus even though that's good news and it's the greatest news we'll ever hear we still have these moments these days where we still long and feel like something's missing in this Christmas season I want to tell you that's okay Because Christmas is a season for longing and joy. In fact, think of the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It is punctuated by these these periods of sorrow and mourning and longing. And then rejoice. Rejoice. And then longing and sorrow and then mourning and then rejoice. And then longing and sorrow and mourning and then rejoice. And what the song is trying to show us is this biblical idea that you and I as believers, we live in the now but not yet phase of life. We, and we can simultaneously on two hands carry both of these truths. We can know and trust and rejoice that God is good and he is faithful and he sent his son to save us 2,000 years ago and we have accepted him and we live with that confidence and we have that. And on the same time, on the other hand, we can live with the fact that it just doesn't feel right yet. It doesn't feel enough. Why is it still so broken? Why is there still so much hurt? And our soul longs for it to be fixed. And that is the beauty of Christmas, that we rejoice that he came. We mourn for where we are. And we can boldly rejoice that he's coming again to fix it and make it right. That is the beauty of Christmas. He will return. But in the meantime, he still promises, I am Emmanuel. I am Jesus, we are thankful for you and your sacrifice. God, for the way that you chose the most crazy, ridiculous plan for our salvation and our redemption. God, we confess as people. Maybe just me, maybe I confess, I don't know. That it is so easy for my heart to long and yearn. And I so often try to fill it or answer it with things besides your presence. Maybe you're here this morning as we continue praying across all of our campuses. And as your pastor, I would love just the honor and the privilege of just praying for you. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Adam, I'm in a season right now where I understand that God is with me, but I don't feel him. He feels distant. I just want to pray for you. If that's you at all of our campuses, if you would acknowledge and admit that you just don't feel God right now, would you just be bold and raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for every hand that is raised. God, that you would be near and close. God, that your presence would overwhelm any valley, any mountain, any longing that we may have, and that we would use that longing of our soul to point us to you more and more. As we continue praying, maybe you're here today and you would acknowledge that, man, I I get that, that God is with us. (laughs) But if I'm being honest, I'm not with God. Maybe you're here for the very first time at one of our campuses and you're just kind of checking this whole thing out and God is kind of wrecking you in this moment right now. He's, he's reaching out and grabbing hold of your heart and you're freaking out and you don't know what to do. Or maybe you've been coming for weeks or months or years just going through the motions, doing the church thing. But if you were really, really honest, you would say, that's great that God is with us, but I've never decided, I've never made the decision that I'm going to be with him. <laughs> Hear me very clearly you are not here by accident God is doing something in your life and all you have to do is respond and trust that he is a good loving faithful God who forgives all of your sins and makes you new so just in this moment just a boldness over you. If you would like to pray that prayer and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the very first time, would you just be bold and slip up your hand wherever you are? If your hand is raised, I want you to look up at me. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I am a sinner. I need Your love. Jesus, come into my life. Be my king. Be my Lord. I surrender to you.